Blog Talk Radio. Tonight we present a review on a very important recent book on the Hermetic tradition by Dutch author Jacob Slavenberg, entitled The Hermetic Link. Reviewing this book tonight will be a team effort between the host and our esteemed guest, Frederofus Freeman Preston who beat us to the punch and reviewed the Slavenberg book on his website two years ago. Well, how did we miss it? Well, no excuse, because it should not have been missed. Certainly, there have been other surveys of the Hermetic tradition, usually combined with related elements such as Kabbalah, Rosicrucianism, magic, etc. But this is the best and the most complete tracing of the great Hermetic Gnosis from ancient Egypt through Alexandria, Haran, the Dark Ages, the Middle Ages, the Renaissance, the so-called Enlightenment, and uh, the present modern age. Schleimenberg takes us from Zosimus to the Cabellion in a sympathetic very thoughtful, and comfortably philosophical style. He quotes Peter Kingsley, reality, frequently, and does as good a job as Kingsley in getting across the deepest meaning of the hermetic mystery, the great I am. Perhaps he does it better than that he uses excerpts from Hermes's texts to reveal the treasure that we ardent hermetic devotees hold so dear. Whereas Kingsley, in reality, depended on pre-hermetic Parmenides and Empedocles. Now, fullness is great to you? Well, it shouldn't be. And Slavenberg goes a long way toward establishing the true and enduring magnificence of our venerable tradition. So tune in and get yourself hermetically sealed, preserved for your next incarnation. Now, uh, we should have 
Freeman Preston calling in shortly. And when he does, we'll bring him on board. But let me... Actually, I'm already here, folks. <clears throat> oh, you're already there, Frateropus. Very good. Excellent. Okay, I have uh, I have printed out here your review that you posted on your, your site. By the way, uh, let me, let me um, put in a plug for your review site. Uh, Freeman Preston is a real old friend of ours, and and uh, and he has a site uh, that is dedicated to reviews of of books uh, that that relate to our tradition. And excellent, excellent website, very very fine reviews. And would you give us the um, uh, the URL on that one, uh, Freeman? Yeah, um, it's my full name, Freeman Preston. That's F-R-E-E-M-A-N-P-R-E-S-S-O-N, and then .wordpress.com. I haven't paid the 17 bucks to make it uh, FreemanPresson.com or something yet. Um, I think I started. I started. I started doing the book reviews not uh, almost the same time I started listening to you on Blog Talk Radio. Actually, well, that was about four years ago. And uh, we've been going ever since, and you've been going ever right. since, and and uh, we've been back and forth and whatever. Uh, now, all you have to do, by the way, if, if uh, it's just Freeman Preston Reviews on Google, and that'll get you there. Uh, yeah, so, I've, no- so, I've noticed. Yeah. That I, I noticed that I was like the top uh, review that came back on Google for this one. I was. Oh well, that's, well, you should be now. Um, I printed out your review on Slavenberg's book here. Is, by the way, what, what do you think we should uh, should we say Slavenberg or Slavenberg? What would you? What do you think I'd we ought to call Slav- it? I'd pronounce, I'd pronounce his name Jakob Slavenberg. Slavenberg. All right. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll go with that. Uh, now I have your your review uh, printed out here in a page and a half. Uh, do you have it printed out? Because I, I thought you might just go ahead and read this review to get us started. Oh um, no, I didn't. I didn't think to actually print it out. Uh, well, I can, I, I can get to it very I quickly. Well, yeah. I, well, while, while while you're printing it out, I will start it, and then you can pick it up. You can pick it up when you get it printed out. All right. Fair enough. Uh, that way, I'm reading your review now, and and, uh, and so I'll, <laughs> you, you can you can see how, when you whether you can catch up with me by the time I get done with the review. All right, now this is what uh, two years ago now, and and I'm going to say this about that. Uh, you really beat me to the punch on this one. I I I saw it when it came out. I thought, oh yeah, another book on the Hermetic tradition, and oh, all right, I'll get around to it. But then I didn't, and uh, and sure enough, by the time I realized, uh, you know how how important it was, uh, two years had slipped by, and and uh, so here it is. Now here's your 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 review while you're while you're printing your, out the rest of it. This Ibis title is a hefty paperback with a distinctive red cover decorated with one of the classic engravings of Hermes Trismegistus. I like this because it shortens most of the where did I leave that book episodes, and it is full of lovely old alchemical hermetic engravings and has four rich full color plates. 
Niederlander Jacob Slavenberg has a Ph.D. in cultural history and has written very extensively on Hermetic and Gnostic history and philosophy. There has been much interest in Hermetic matters in the Netherlands lately. This is in that strange category of scholarly books for a lay audience. At about 320 pages of main text and and 1,124 footnotes, it's a significant investment of time to read. The most appreciative audience will be the students and practitioners of the Western esoteric tradition who, like this reviewer, like to have as much background as possible and those with a deep interest in, hist- in the history of ideas. There is an appreciative preface by fellow Niederlander Tejou van Denberg, author of Het Oud Egypte Pagramat van Het Vorege Christendom, and how's my Dutch? Ancient Egypt, Cradle of Early Christianity, and Young on Art. A brief introduction by the author in which he states his aim. To present a clear and recognizable line of thought that illustrates the uninterrupted progress of the Hermetic tradition up to the present, a prologue relating a visit to the the site of ancient Hermopolis, and it sets a delightful precedent for many chapter and part beginnings throughout the book, where reminiscences of particular conferences and meetings lead into the matter at hand, joyfully personalizing the story. The main text is divided into part one, The Secret of Hermes, Interlog, The Fame of Hermes, part two, Hermes Unveiled, yes, there's a nod to HPV's Isis Unveiled, and an epilogue. And there is a 24.5-page bibliography, a list of abbreviations, chronology, list of illustrations, and the magnificent expanse of 1,124 serially numbered endnotes with chapters identified. Awesome. Now, I feel I've strongly that... Okay, now you pick, pick it up with I feel strongly. All right. That a book like this was needed. A number of historians have apparently decided that the Hermetic tradition in Europe needs to be treated as a back formation because the specific texts of the Corpus Hermeticum were not available in Latin or vernacular between the destruction of the libraries of Alexandria and the publication of Ficino's Parmandras in 1462. There's also a nice rhetorical destruction throughout, but peaking on page 233 of attempts by materialist scholars to say anything meaningful about Hermes. The Hermetic link is unabashedly partisan, as mentioned, in favor of the existence and value of a continuing catena aurea of initiatory and philosophical Hermetics, which are Egyptian in content, but Grecian by form. For example, on page 133, we find a citation of Kingsley showing that the name Pomandris, rather than deriving from the Greek for herdsman, as was usually thought, may be a transliteration of Peeme Nitera, the knowledge or gnosis of Ra. Unfortunately, the present volume suffers from weak copy editing. 
and I'll, I'll I'll interject that it's also it's also a translation from Dutch. So I don't know I don't read Dutch and I don't have the original. So I don't know how much of it is translation problems and how much is editing. But spelling errors are rife, and there are two or three paragraphs which cause this reader to retrograde over them more than once to be sure of the meaning. There are a few simple goofs like Sun and Mars sign of Aries on page 174, and a couple of instances of dates confusingly written as BC instead of AD. Also, the references are generally given without dates, which would sometimes cause problems, especially in references to obscure books and journals. On the other hand, Slavenberg has taught me to write decennia instead of decades, for I too am a word nerd, and I love the sound and Latinate feel of it. On the whole, this is a very valuable book for anyone involved in the Western esoteric tradition, philosophy, or the history of ideas. I'm going to find an honored place on my bookshelves for it as soon as I can find it again. All right, read. Okay. Now, I I will definitely say that that was two years ago, and I write much better book reviews these days. (laughs) <laughs> well, I don't know. I think that's a, that's a pretty that's a pretty good one. Um, now, while we but well before we get away from this, uh, what you just read, um, let me ask you uh, on this one you have up here. You say, and a couple of instances of dates confusingly written as BC instead of AD. Now, yeah. when do you, do you do you happen to know right offhand? And, I, and I'm not trying to, I'm not throwing one at you now because I haven't looked this up. Uh, what what's what's the date for Zosimus? Oh, that yeah. was one of the one that was one of the ones he was inconsistent about. Uh huh. Yeah, Zosimus should be in the 300s AD, and at one point in the book it said BC, which is pretty impossible. Uh huh. That be really that really what it was a banger because uh, <laughs> I I turned the dog I turned this page here. Uh, now, now, I want everybody to understand out there in radio land we are not trying to trash Schlavenberg. We love him. Oh yeah. Uh, but we we just, we just want to get we do we love him we love the book and all of that and and we want everybody to read it. And uh, but but while you know I don't want to want to lose this thing while we while we got it here because I think it's just important. Uh, so Seamus uh, was I kind of I kind of thought he was he was AD, uh, but here is this <laughs> uh, he's quoting his Seamus here and he says um, this mention of the Son of God is remarkable. Even more remarkable is the fact that a bit further in the text he names Jesus Christ a surprising reference from the hand of a hermetic philosopher and alchemist. Christ accompanies Adam and leads him to the place where the so-called light becomes formally uh, dwelled. And preceding this, another story is told in which Adam, in addition to his bodily form, which uh, can suffer, possesses a spiritual form, force or light, and in this form he's carried away by Jesus Christ, but powerless humanity sees only its material form, even though the spiritual atom is always present in its subconscious and stands by it. Now, I when I read that, I, I, I thought, wait a minute, uh, yeah, and then I recalled, you know, that that the Sosimus was post-Christian, not pre-Christian. Uh, so yeah, that that one was kind of, uh, uh, but uh, aside from a few, a uh, few little things like that, 
uh, you know, this is this is really a. I, I think you'd agree, wouldn't you, Freeman? This this is a, a magisterial book on the subject, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. And you know, when I wrote, when I reviewed it the first time, I wasn't, I didn't recognize the value of its encyclopedic coverage. You know, for for what it really was. I, I have to admit that there were a lot of chapters where I looked at them and I said, okay, I'm familiar with this material, right? So I'm just going yeah. to read fast. Now, I, I, I essentially, there are very few books that I ever write a review of uh, that I haven't read all of, but I have some really fast reading modes. You know, I can go 1,200 words per minute if I'm really wanting to. Um, oh, I kind of so blasted through a lot, of the, a lot of the chapters where the material was familiar. But then if you think about it, wait a minute, why was that material familiar? It was familiar because, what, I've read a dozen, maybe 40 different books on different parts of the tradition? Uh-huh. And yet, here it is all in one place. That's if I were writing a review book. again today, I would, I would definitely right. come out and say that. that that's, that's one of the major values of this book, is the way it traces, is the, yeah. way it traces the hermetic gnosis through all of these different eras and goes into, most of the time, just the right amount of detail. I thoroughly agree with you there. And one of the examples where he, he is a little he, he is a little bit, uh, I won't say confused, but let's say maybe a little off-center in his coverage of Haran and the civilians. But, but isn't, it, isn't it wonderful that he did? Because so many times we get books... Uh, tracing the Hermetic tradition, and they never realize the tremendous importance of that uh, that Sabean uh, connection. And, oh, and he covered it. Yeah, and, and he covered it, and and he traced. He did such a fine job of tracing the tradition all the way from you know even before Alexandria on up through Alexandria and and into Haran into. Uh, into Italy, bringing the Pythagorean uh, elements into it, and and uh, up through uh, Pico della Mirandola. I, you know, I, I, I thought his 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 chapter on Pico was just really <laughs> that was delightful. Spin, what a character, and and uh, and of course Pacino, and and Pacino and Pico, and putting them in perspective, uh, and and uh, it's it, it really. I, getting on into to the Rosicrucian phenomenon and into Masonry, and and right. bring this whole thing through is just really uh, really marvelous. Yeah, uh, and he, what he also you know, he also in 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 the in the part where in the part where the tradition flowers again in Florence, it um, he he mentions he mentions some of the players who don't usually get a lot of press like George Gamistos Plathon. And Michael Psellus, these guys these guys were important, and I mean the, 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 these guys really 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 got into the well specifically the Neoplatonic revival, but they went they went hand in hand, you know. They, I mean, Ficino well, was translating Plato when he got interrupted to translate Hermes, you know. Well, I, well as we know, the Asclepius was was considered. You know that was considered to be part of the Neoplatonic revival, along with the Hermetic revival, because the Asclepius, as Francis Yates pointed out, was the charge of dynamite behind uh, 
behind Renaissance magic, and uh, and the Asclepius, yeah. of course. I, I, another thing that that I really appreciate about about Slavenberg is his his acceptance and even and even advocacy of the genuine ancient Egyptian philosophical aspects of the Hermetic tradition that for so long uh, scholars had been just poo-pooing this, you know, and marginalizing the Hermetic uh, corpus because it was Greco-Egyptian, giving the impression that, oh, well, these people didn't, couldn't even read hieroglyphics, and what are they, what are they claiming to be Egyptian for? Uh, I think he... Oh, absolutely. Uh, well, yeah, he, 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 he showed us that that the uh, that the deeper aspects that were set forth in the pyramid text and all that that they really did come into into the hermetic tradition, which they did. We know they did. Uh, and what you yeah, I've, I've, got the, I've, I've, I've got the uh, I've got the qu- I've got the 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 quote on that. Let me read something real quick. Yeah, okay, go uh, it's in the chapter on the hermetic body. Before we go deeper into the content and spiritual meaning of the hermetic writings, it is wise first to study the background and environment in which these writings were formed. Egyptian in content, but Grecian by form, means that Egyptian thought patterns and traditions have been poured into a Greek mold. You could almost say that, in the first two centuries of our calendar, Thoth has been put into a modern jacket. A century ago, many scientists, by by which he means scholars, started with Casabon, but particularly Festugier, stared themselves blind looking at this new jacket. All the attention paid paid to this specially measured suit resulted in the Egyptian Hermes becoming ultimately invisible. Yeah, exactly. And and the Greco-Roman, it, uh, the another thing that that he straightens out too, I think, uh, um, is is the the um, composite nature of the Hermetic uh, corpus, in that that uh, he. he he ties it together because it has it has some dualistic uh, Gnostic aspects and then it has some Neoplatonic aspects, and he manages to get that in perspective. And I think uh, uh, right. also another thing that I'm very impressed with, and I mentioned in the abstract when we got going here, is that he's he's read a great deal more uh, Peter Kingsley than I have. I, I uh, the only thing I read, read on Kingsley so far is reality and uh, a spear waiting to pierce you, and uh, but they're Kingsley written obviously written more material which I want to get into, but uh, Kingsley as as we know with that that magnificent opus of his called reality, he really if you can get through 666 pages of reality. Then you you have you have um, if you have, if you can even partially understand it you will get the hermetic uh, great secret and you will get the hermetic gnosis you you'll know it you'll know what the what what it is by the time you get done uh, but I think that he that that one of the things that I'm really impressed with with Slavenberg here is is that he's managed to do the same thing. And he doesn't depend on Empedocles and Parmenides to do it. He does it right out of Hermes. He he manages to to, to right out of the, the Hermetic treatises themselves. And and I so the depth of this 
philosophically, the depth of this is really remarkable. So many people write books about about Hermes and never, they, and, and you know when you're reading them, they don't really know what the ultimate secret of the Hermetic tradition is. But but Schleimenberg makes it quite obvious. Um, yes, that's right. There's there's a, there's a hint every few pages that the that this man is not some dry scholar. Yes. Yeah, and and uh, so this is so much more uh, uh, so much more uh, satisfying in in a deeper way than than uh, trying to wade through Scott's old Hermetic uh, translations, and and I think he even does a better job at GRS Mead. He he, uh, um, I'm looking for a quote here, um, and I got one mark here. I said that this is one of the key quotes. He said. Um, God is an infinite sphere whose center is everywhere and whose circumference is nowhere. This is you contemplate this, and 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 you you almost have it. And he has um, he has another one here. Um, if we truly say he was born in a deviating way, different from normal birth, as the Logos of God is born out of God, then one can see such, which which we have in common with you, which Hermes, being God's messenger, calls the appearing Logos. And this is, of course, in, in relating um, um, uh, the, the, well, the so-called paraclete or the, or the, uh, the messenger. Uh, I think uh, there, there's quotes in here that he has uh, that uh, out of the Hermetic material that I have. You know, you know, I've read, and I know you have too. I've read several versions of the Hermetic Corpus, but I, yeah, actually, uh, Slavenberg has has pointed out things to me that I I couldn't remember were in there, and I and I was delighted when I found them, uh, and. Uh, Another thing too, he has uh, the alchemical. It's it's uh, and the alchemical tradition, as we as we are aware, and the, the further we get into hermetic studies, the more we become aware that the alchemical tradition does not match up very well with the astrological and the uh, and the magical aspects of what we do, and especially not. Since the Kabbalah has been folded into and integrated into as of as of the thirteen hundreds, of course, uh, this Kabbalistic uh, uh, structure that we now have fits even less comfortably with the alchemical analog, and he manages to clarify that to 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 some extent. Um, yeah, you, would, you, you, Al- alchemy has always been. Alchemy has always been something that it's a little it's very hard to get a grip on and and fit it, it it's not um uh, it's it's not neat and precise to the extent that the Kabbalah is or even that or or even that astrology is I mean once you pick a variety of astrology to follow at any rate and uh, yeah, the the, the, liter- the literature is is that that's the hardest branch of the tradition to really get into because the uh, because the literature is so crabbed 
and you 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 can tell you're looking at concealed secrets, and, and it's hard to know what they are. So you know any anything that anything that gives us a, a hint of how alchemy is really supposed to fit in there, I think, is a a big help. Well, one of the things that that, that helps a lot in Slavenberg's book has helped me a lot because I'm wrestling right now with a with how to get this um, this Western Psyche Center system together, and you know, and 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 documenting the start of it and everything else. And uh, Slavenberg's helped me in this respect. Um, he has uh, he has developed uh, the on his year, and it's one of the first times I've ever ever run across this. Uh, he has the the actual hermetic positioning of the planets, and and very you know describes how they originally, and this comes of course from ancient Egypt, very ancient Egypt. How they originally applied the the astrological the science of the zodiac to the human body, you right, know the yeah. as above so below the microcosm macrocosm. So they originally established uh, they originally established the idea of the of the signs of the zodiac in a human body, and they get this from uh, Nuix, the star goddess, of course, that stretches over the heavens, and that became the the Soma Sophia later in the Greco-Roman period. And uh, and so, where do you put the planets in the human body on a situation like that? And they they were primarily oriented with the zodiac, and and alchemy went along with that too. But the uh, they did have, and I never knew this before. He, he quotes here from Hermes. Uh, Pure track that I had to had read before. The human, my dear Damon, is called by learned men a universe. Since he resembles completely the nature of the world, indeed, at the moment of his conception, he receives from the seven planets a complexity of rays influencing each part of the body. The same occurs at time of birth based upon the position of the twelve zodiacal signs. Thus falls, as is said, the head under Aries, and the senses of the head are subdivided among the seven planets. The right eye falls to the sun, the left to the moon, the ears to Saturn, and the brain to Jupiter, the tongue and ovalva to, to Mercurius, scent and taste to Venus, the arteries to Mars, and now, at a time of conception or of birth, one of the celestial bodies stands in a malevolent position. The result will cause a weakness in the part of the human, which corresponds to the heavenly star. Well, that was, that was, I never, never had run across that, but it is from an obscure track. He really has dug into these lately discovered and most of them have been lately discovered tracks. And also, he makes use of non uh, Um Had you uh, had you read the uh, the discourse on the eighth, the ninth before uh, you ran across it in in, in Slavenberg? Yes, I had actually. I had read the. Uh, I was just recently trying to remember where my copy of the uh, Nagamati Library, that, that fat paperback with the Nagamati Library. Um, 
I think it's hidden in my wife's craft room instead of being here in the temple study where it's supposed to be. I kind of figured you had read it, but, but uh, and I, I had too, but I had forgotten that that really was a hermetic, and Eve says so in the in the uh, the Claremont big big uh, the big green Agamotti book, you know. Uh, it even says that this is this is hermetic, and but I didn't realize at the time how important this is to cap off the hermetic corpus. It really is the the, the uh, yeah, it's really exciting. Yeah. And 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 this was this you know Slavenberg realized that this the, the grasp I think that the big thing that we're we're saying and and you're uh, and when you're both in agreement his his grasp of the whole scheme of things hermetic is better than anybody else's that, that I've that I've come across he he puts it all together and and uh, the. Running up closer to the time where we, where we, uh, you know, start getting our magical structure. Although I, I notice he's he's not very impressed with the golden dawn. He doesn't seem to be terribly impressed with that. But <laughs> he's, uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, well, you know, he 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 also mentioned the Hermetic Brotherhood of Luxor and Max Theon and all that, and oh, yeah. uh, and and managed to leave Pascal Beverly Randolph off too. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think he probably included. He probably. Uh, I don't think he was ignoring uh, Randolph, but he probably just just thought he was part of the Brotherhood of Luxor and might go with that. But yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Anyway, though, the getting into the getting into Masonry and and uh, and into Rosicrucianism, I thought he's done a good job with that. And and uh, the. Uh, and also, then he then when bringing up in the modern era, I found it fascinating that he's quoting Sheldrake. You know, oh, yeah. Rupert Sheldrake. Yeah, yeah. And Rupert Sheldrake is a theosophist, as we know, but but he's also mm-hmm. he's also a scientist, and and uh, and Sheldrake's. Uh, and, but but one of the things that I also really really liked, and I don't want to forget, I, I don't want to. Uh, you know, without forgetting, is I've been saying for years that Descartes uh, was the great dividing line that that uh, that uh, you know um, we stopped we stopped having having uh, reverence for the human imagination with the with the uh, with Descartes' uh, uh, proposition, and uh, I've made you know I've, I've I've made a lot of hay on that, but I never really understood it as well as the way he describes it, and I'll read this right here. It's over on page uh, 317. He says, The mechanical worldview, at the time of Kircher's birth, that's Athanasius Kircher, René Descartes was six years old. When Kircher died, Isaac Newton was 38. Factually, Descartes was therefore a contemporary of both. Newton is seen as the creator of the mechanical worldview, this is not entirely correct. From Newton on, the worldview became strongly influenced by discoveries in the field of mechanics, but Newton himself still had an eye for the metaphysical. He was also especially interested in alchemy, and it is true that through Newton's research and mechanical point of view, the world started to emerge in which it is assumed that all phenomena can be explained by the laws of mechanics. 
In this view, everything becomes predictable. Magic, alchemy, astrology, and the worship of God are no longer needed. According to French mathematician and astronomer Pierre Simon de Laplace, 1749-1827, scientific research would lead to a world mind capable of detecting the position and speed of each particle at any moment and calculating its future and past behavior at all times. Thus, nothing can occur that is new or unexpected. God became a remote mover once everything is set in motion in this dualistic paradigm. God is obviously portrayed as male, and he can rest on his laurels and rest for all time. But it was actually René Descartes who stands as the first propounder of the mechanical worldview. On November 10, 1619, Descartes experienced a vision of the angel of true reality that revealed a machine-like world ruled by mathematical laws without any inherent spontaneity or freedom whatsoever. This became the nucleus of mechanistic natural science. Descartes' theories of natural science were truly or quite quickly rejected by Newton, among others, but his proposition that nature has no soul became a common assumption in the Enlightenment and is still true for most scientists. The philosophy of Descartes pulled the soul out of the totality of the natural world. The whole nature was lifeless, soulless, and sooner dead than alive, noted the groundbreaking British scientist Rupert Sheldrake. He has Robert Sheldrake there, of course, it's Rupert. That's one of your, that's one of your typos. But I think that that really, really does say it better than, than I've ever managed to say it. Uh, you, want, you, you want to comment on that? Yeah, actually, uh, actually, there there is there is another post on my blog that goes into this um, because uh, there it, it's very interesting. I mean, I, I knew about the, this business about well, you know, Newton was an alchemist and so on, and, and Newton never really quite came out and said, "I've got everything figured. I've got everything figured out, and the universe is purely mecha- purely mechanical." Laplace published this speculation about being able to calculate the entire future of the universe if you knew its state at some moment and had uh, sufficient computing power. Now, a lot of people still act as if that's true, not realizing that 20th century science, starting in the early 20th century, started tearing that mechanical worldview down, and it's now completely in shambles. You have no place to stand if you want to try to point to modern scientists, or modern science and say that it proves a materialistic worldview. You have no place to stand. It does not do any such thing. The universe is not predictable. The, the universe is unpredictable in principle, both at the quantum level and at the macroscopic level because of the... Uh, of several theorems in chaos theory, you know, it's not just that we don't have a big enough computer. It is that the equations with the, uh, the nonlinear equations with all the feedback loops put you into a situation where 
the system can be deterministic and yet be not computable in principle. And then, of course, finding out that underneath it works on uh, underneath it works on chance anyway, and 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 uh, quantum state vectors are going to collapse whichever way they want to. Uh, it just it just completely destroys. It just completely destroys the clockwork universe. Let's just put it that way. Well, of course, and 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 and, and then on top of that, we have the uh, hermetic, great you know the great great hermetic secret that that God, the center of the universe, that the universe has no boundaries, and therefore the center is anywhere you happen to be because God is inside you, and wherever God is, that's the center. Uh, which means that literally you are God, and using the the, the self principle, the idea of Parmenides came up with that that you've got consciousness, and you don't know that anybody else has. You just assume it. So uh, what this, however, we also we know, and and we spent a lot of taxpayers' money in that uh, remote viewing program, proving that Hermes was right. And we, we, we live in a holographic universe, and we can access it and because uh, we're at the center of it. And, and the Russians, I don't know whether you're aware of this, but the Russians have been doing some fantastic experiments with magic mirrors, by the way. Uh, and uh, they, they, I, they really, I'm scientific. They're not, they're not, uh, uh, they're not doing this uh, in robes. They're doing this scientifically. They and they are they are proving the hermetic proposition. Uh, and there is a book for people who have uh, who have this still have this mechanistic, atheistic kind of view, uh, totally materialist kind. I and if you really really want to get over it, and even if you've read Kingsley's Reality and you can't. You still can't get over it. Uh, a, a lady philosopher by the name of Marilyn Robson, Robinson has written a book. Zandria, uh, uh, can you find me that third, uh, the, the, the green ray over there, so I can quote this specifically? Yeah. Uh, oh, thank you. Um, and this, yeah, this, hi, sister. Uh, this, this Marilyn Robinson book. I don't know whether you've got it. Uh, you got it yet? But this one, um, this one, I use uh, to to uh, back up to back up Kingsley's reality. If people have problems with this, um, and of course, if you read uh, Kingsley's reality, and then you read Rob, Rob, uh and this this Marilyn Robinson book, which by the way got a very good review in the New York Times. Um, I'll get to it in a minute here. And you still think that that uh, the universe is just some uh, some mechanical uh, thing that rolls on? Then there's no hope for you <laughs> at that point. Yeah. You know, of course, also also the books all all of read all of Mishukaku. That that ought to do it. Um, and uh, you know that if that doesn't do it, you <laughs> then, then there's no hope for you. But uh, I'm trying to find. Uh, uh, let's see here. Um, oh, here we go. Absence of mind. Marilyn Robinson, Yale University Press, 2010. The book's called Absence of Mind, and that one 
well, it takes on the it takes on the Russo the Russo Helvetius uh, crowd and just just leaves them leaves them lying in the in the dust. Uh, you get done with that. Um, let's uh, um, thank you. Thank you. Um, let's just delve some more into this uh, a bit. Um, you know, he actually has some good things to say about the Cabalion, and he he does kind of seem like he's taken that in as as one of the modern aspects of the Hermetic tradition. Uh, you, you, do you think that he's justified in saying that? Yeah, well, he does. He do, he does kind of say that it's. Um, he does kind of say he says something about it, about uh, he's seeing as much theosophical uh, influence on the Kabbalion, and of course, I see it as being as being part, uh, partly hermetic and and partly just new thought. It's new thought. Uh, yeah, it's primarily new thought. Christian Science, the next generation mm-hmm. of Christian Science. And and uh, and and it was, it was a lot to Herbert Spencer, and although they say Heraclitus uh, in in the Canadian, but not in that case, uh, our, our readers are not, our listeners are not uh, familiar with the Canadian. This is a modern, uh, very modern, uh, uh, little philosophical book that that that, that, that says it's hermetic. And uh, it's 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 been it's been rather controversial because it was anonymous, and it's been attributed to a whole bunch of different uh, modern adepts. But the, it, it talks about vibrations and 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 polarities and all sorts of nineteenth uh, and early twentieth century scientific concepts. Uh, and but now now also too, um, um, Schleimberg is kind of a. Uh, I think he went through a hippie phase, and uh, and one thing I, I noticed, I wonder if you noticed that he, the one thing he seems to do to his ancient translations, everywhere he finds the word man, he changes it to human. Right. Yeah. Did you notice that? Yeah. And and I I, I see that, and there are a few times in there where where that where that. Gets a little bit strained, and and so I think he he uh, you know he's a bit perhaps influenced by the by the feminist pagans in that regard, and that's all right, that's fine. But but it does it, you do you do notice it, you, especially if you've read a lot of Hermetic literature that every time because they used to refer to oh sure they meant when they said man or mankind they meant. They, what they really meant was was humanity or humankind. Right. Uh, that's true. So so uh, we'll forgive him for that. And uh, and also, uh, you know, he seems to he 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 loved the musical hair. Uh, and, oh right. Yeah. He, he, <laughs> he loved hair. And uh, <laughs> so he he really he's uh, kind of you know in a way I think. When I read this, I, I, I thought of our friend over there in, in, in uh, Amsterdam, Peter Trump, who uh, uh-huh. who is a, an ardent Farafarian pagan, and Peter Trump, of course, uh, helped us. Peter Trump got into the um, the Ritter uh, Museum, into the Amsterdam Museum, and actually copied the, the earliest version of the Craterapoa. Uh, oh, right. yeah. they, they, they wouldn't they wouldn't let him Xerox it because it's fallen apart. 
So Peter had right. to get in there, and he had to with a spatula and gloves and a respirator and a pen and an and, and 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 copy this thing down. We published right, it, of course, yeah. in, the, in the Green Ray. Uh, but Peter uh, is a you know uh, I will say a bit of a hippie, but you know kind of kind of in that 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 same mode. So I'll bet Peter. I haven't asked Peter yet, and if Peter's listening tonight, then. Uh, he probably knows, uh, you know, uh, Jacob Slavenberg. So what we ought to do is, is I'll email Peter. I should have emailed Peter before the before the show, but uh, anyway, we'll see if we can make that connection. Uh, what, what what else yeah. do you think? You know, folks, I used to this? always think hair was a little bit silly back back in the day, even though I was like eighteen when it came out. But then there was then there was one evening when let's just say I was having some I was having some mm, psycho spiritual trouble of of a kind that was mm, common during those years and I brought myself out of it by chanting let the sun shine let the sun shine so after that I stopped scoffing at hair you know it saved me a lot of trouble well, I think Hera was fine, and, and you know, in the age is the age of Aquarius and all that. You know, even some of those tunes you couldn't get them out of your head, and they were good. Well, no, I yeah, I, I, I'm, uh, but I just you know I thought I'd mention it because I want to put uh, put Slavenberg uh, in in perspective. He he's uh, he's just as, he's not some old stuffy old scholar. You know, uh, he's a he's a guy that was out there out there. Uh, you know, probably doing it. Probably does a little magic too, you know, and and it makes him more human. And certainly, uh, yeah, I love the way he interjects the personal in here. All, all the way, it's a, something in every chapter is personal and expresses yeah. his relationship to the material. That that, makes, that just makes it so much easier to read. Yeah, he he just really he, you you have a feeling it's a friendly book. And, yes, and I'm going to mention while while we're on the subject that uh, another book like it that that he only refers to once, uh, but there's another book like it that we ought to we ought to mention while we're on the subject, and this is a book called The Eternal Hermes, subtitled From Greek God to Alchemical Magus, by a French author Anton. Favre, that's F-A-V-A-I-V-R-E, Favre. Right, yeah, that's on my list. Yeah, by Jocelyn Godwin, and it's 1995, and I have Fred Adams' annotated copy here. Uh, and this is this covers much the same uh, ground, although it doesn't go quite, it, it, is, it is, doesn't have the scope. It does not have the scope of... Uh, and it's more and it's more pedantic. It doesn't have that. But it's a, it's a nice reference book. It's got a lot of uh, detail, and uh, and Fred obviously really liked it. I thought it was a little yeah, a little bit a little bit uh, dry, but and uh, however that book, this book covers the same uh, the same ground. Have you read this one uh, yet? The Eternal uh, Army. No, that no that one's that one's still on my wish list. But you mentioned Jocelyn Godwin. That reminded me of something I wanted to make sure to mention. There, there are a few places in uh, in the Hermetic Link, like in the chapter on the mystery of the self, where some of the uh, uh, 
some of some of the like the ancient vowel chants are recorded. Yeah. And that turns out to be uh, that turns out to be an interesting hint of something deep and old. Um apparently apparently that was one of the the theurgical practices in the in the Egyptian temples. Oh yeah. And uh, and Godwin himself has written uh a book about it, The Mystery of the Seven Vowels in Theory and Practice. You know Godwin That's right. Yeah, Godwin is uh, an expert on this material, plus he's a musicologist, so he was the per- perfect person to write this. Um, he was talking about, of course, relating, you know, relating the vowels to the the seven heavens and the and the seven planets and so forth. And he gives, uh, unfortunately, there's no one answer to. Oh yeah, we figured out how the ancient Egyptians did it, but there there's several like there's several self consistent. Methods that he gives, and he also he also gets into uh, yeah he's that he's not the only one who's been chasing this. He can identify he can identify that uh, you know certain certain composers like uh, who was it yeah Debussy and then later on Stockhausen and and so on would obviously uh, dug into this to some extent. But you know Godwin's the right guy to do it because oh Godwin is a musicologist along with being a uh, a scholar of the Western tradition and, right. and uh, a prodigious uh, output and, and wonderful scholar, great translator. He translated the whole Hypnoerata Mancia. And one of these, uh, one of these times, we we ought to have a, a show on the uh, a two-hour show on the Hypnoerata Mancia. Uh, oh, which ab- of course, absolutely. Is... And and Godwin <laughs> also wrote a guidebook to that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, oh, 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 yeah. Because because there was that there was that popular novel, The Rule of Four, that was based on yeah. That was yeah. sort of like give, of giving a, a Dan Brown treatment to the Hypnoerotomachia. Yeah. That's right. Uh, before, Dan, also, before Dan too, Brown. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm convinced. But that's a myself. wonderful book that he wrote about about this, talking about well, this is this is what they did in the novel, and this is what it actually looks like in the book, and and so on. Uh, oh yeah, it, it was such a wonderful book. I don't have it. I got it out of the library, but uh, it was a great. Well, movie. I, yeah. Oh, the, this, the, this, that, that, that's a masterpiece, and I have a suspicion myself that that was the model for for the uh, uh, the the Portus Lucas in in uh, the Ninth Gate or the Club Dumas, although the Portus Lucas was supposed to be demonic, but basically right. that was the kind of book they were talking about. The hypnoerotomachia fits the fits the uh, that perfectly. Yeah, we need to do a show on that. But next week, right along the line of what you were talking about, and uh, have you read Kitty Ferguson's Music of Pythagoras yet? That's another one on my wish list, Pope. Well, that's what we're going to do next week. Uh, so you beat me to uh, you beat me to Slavenberg, and I beat you to the Music of Pythagoras, and okay, fair uh, maybe. You, <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm gonna do, you know, gonna you know do, you're yeah. the reason my wish list is in the shape it's in. <laughs> you keep coming up with more well, great I, books I, than I, I just really that. have to read. After I get after you trump me on this Slavenberg book, I, I appreciate that. So we're going to do Kitty Ferguson. Now Kitty Ferguson, uh, you know, be, I, I'm sure people don't realize. They look at the picture of her on the on the back flap, and here's this cute looking little. Little baby faced little girl. This woman is an intellectual giant and, and a musicologist 
a philosophical musicologist on the level of, of Godwin, and she has this book, Music of Pythagoras, which it it does very much very much like uh, what um, what uh, Slavenberg has done, but she's tracing the, the she's tracing the Pythagorean, which of course is one of the main origins of the Hermetic tradition, as we know, and she's tracing right, yeah. that all the way up through. All the yeah. way up to modern, That's all the a, way up to Michu, Michu Kaku and, and and Hawkins and you know and, and the rest. Um, yeah. So so before we sign off, uh, give us your website. Uh, give us your website uh, information again, and let's let's get our let's get our uh, listeners to reading your excellent reviews on books on this subject. Okay. So where 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 do they want to go? Oh, okay. Well, it's freemanpressing.wordpress.com. And also, my last, uh, I, I've also started reviewing for spiralnature.com. Uh, we've got like about my last three book reviews have been on there. Now, when, I, when a, a review of mine goes up on Spiral Nature, I announce it on my own blog. Um, so you won't miss anything by going to freemanpressing.wordpress.com. Okay. Uh, at all, and I'm, I'm really enjoying working with uh, I'm really enjoying working with Psyche over at Spiral Nature. I think she's built something uh, really nice. Well, good. I'm gonna check it out myself. Yep. And uh, meanwhile, uh, next week, next week the music of Pythagoras, and we might actually have a little music along with it. Uh, and uh, and yet, I don't have a monochord right now, but I might have one before. I have something like one before next week. Uh, so next week, music of Pythagoras. And uh, meanwhile, uh, thank you so much, uh, Freeman, for coming on board. And uh, and uh, so until next week, good magic. Good magic, folks. Thank you very much. <laughs>